The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. What's going on? Eric Franson, IJ Salveson. Thanks for tuning in and joining us on a Wednesday. Beautiful day today. Oh, my gosh. Awesome. Uh, it's starting to feel like fall. Temperatures cooling off, especially at night. Well, the uh, leaves are starting to change up high, really high up in the mountains. So uh, it's upon us. And we already know football is here. And uh, it, it's a great time of the year with college football, high school football, NFL. You got the hunt for, the, for October in Major League Baseball. Wild card race. It changes every day. Uh, it's a great time of the year right now. NBA uh, training camps are not that far away. Ah, I, I love it. It's one of the best times of the year for me when it comes to sports. Because um, everything's just new and there's all this excitement and anticipation. It's nice because, we, do you remember like in July, we'd look at each other and think, Man, what are we going to talk about? Because, I mean, luckily, Utah Jazz were active in free agency, and that helped us out. But then after that, you're, well, the, uh, let's see, uh, in the uh, latest uh, qualifying games of uh, Quidditch, the uh, one. I mean, it, but now, I mean, and like you said, come October, Quidditch. I don't know how we're going to fit it all into two hours. Aggie football, jazz basketball preseason starts first weekend of October. Oh my gosh, they start the weekend of when LSU faces Utah State. That's their first preseason game. Oh my gosh. Do they have their preseason games already out? Uh huh. Yeah. Scheduled? Yeah. So they have, uh, they've, well, they're going to play the two Australian teams, right? The 36ers and then one other squad. I need to make sure that I have this. Well, when we get closer, yeah. we, we'll get in. But I'm just saying, like, I mean, they'll have, like, all these preseason games, but they, they, I mean, their first game at home is October 5th against an Australian squad. So you'll have that, LSU playing Utah State, and then they get right into Mountain West Conference play the following week. As you already noted, baseball in October is nuts. I mean, another level of baseball in entirety. Uh, and then, of course, NFL football, other college football games. And so it's, it's full gear. And in, uh, in, in just, you know, takes it up and under the notch. So we're excited. I'm excited about it. Hey, uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we spent maybe too much time yesterday talking about mascots, but we've had a lot of... The one discussion. guy on Facebook thought so, at <laughs> least. Yeah, somebody on Facebook didn't like it. <laughs> but we had a lot of other people chime in afterwards, <laughs> kept sending us, hey, did you know about these guys or did you know about this school? Um, th- the question for me that kept coming up is, what if... What if they didn't have firearms, the Rebels and the Cowboys? What if they didn't have firearms? What if the Spartan or Aztec or Warriors, what if they didn't have their, their weapon? Oh, then it's the wolf pack in or out. Look, if you have no weapon, that wolf is, I mean, he'd already taste blood. He's going right after your legs. Yeah, and he, if he swipes the leg, right? See, uh, sweep the leg, wolf. I'd go for the Aggie bull. Why? No. All it takes is one dude. The dip head with quick. those horns, the and that is, bull, and yeah, that wolf it's, goes it's flying. It's the horns there. The wolf is more shiftier, faster, quicker, better flexibility. Uh, yeah, dude, the wolf in a route. Just one kick of the hind legs. One bite to the leg, dude. That thing's going down. Wolf's going to get crushed. And if you can chop the bull down to the ground, oh, man. You're having, you're having a roast beast for dinner. Somebody said, who wins between the Lobos and the Wolf Pack? Oh, Wolf Hashtag Pack. Hashtag deep thoughts. <laughs> Not deep for me. I still take the Wolf Pack. Hey, okay. And by the way, I want to know, because when we got off the air and I, you know, and uh, I, a couple of friends saw me the other night and, or last night and they said, Dude, how did y'all know what a piston was? Come to work today, couple coworkers. You really didn't know what a piston was? <laughs> no. Okay, unless you're from Detroit or an all-American American, you ain't you don't know what a piston is. In India, we had camels. <laughs> Stop. Okay. Stop. And they ain't have an engine. 
They went at 0.1 miles per hour. They took their sweet time. Isn't there a school called the Fighting Camels? I think there is. No, sure. there's not. I can't remember which Stop school it. it is. Yeah, it is, really. Uh, so today, it's a Wednesday. It's in the know Wednesday. We really want to get you, get ourselves better educated about Utah State's opponent's upcoming. Utah State was on the road this Saturday. They're going to San Diego to take on the Aztecs. Uh, and by the way, does an Aztec have mythical powers? Uh, yes. I digress. Um, so anyway, Utah State taking on San Diego State. And uh, what are the coaches saying from both schools? What are the players saying from both schools uh, about the matchup, about uh, what might happen Saturday night? Plus, coming up next hour, you don't want to miss this, their play-by-play voice, Ted Leitner. He'll be joining us, not from San Diego. <laughs> He'll be joining us from Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, he What's is, he doing in Milwaukee? He's also the play-by-play voice of the San Diego Padres. He does an incredible job, by the way. Uh, he'll be calling that game in Milwaukee. So my question is, does he travel for those baseball games, come back and call the Aztecs game, and then go back on the road to catch the Padres? Oh, he'd have to. That's a lot of travel. That's a heck of a schedule. That's if he's a lot married, of travel. I got. I have to ask him, man. How do how do you keep your wife? You know, like, hey, how do you juggle? I'll that? see you in about I don't know a year. Call. <laughs> oh. No, that 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 that's awesome. No, uh, yeah, Ted uh, does a great job. He's been on the show a couple times. I had him on uh, last year during basketball season. You had him on before that. So this will be his. Uh, this is nothing new for us, but it's always great to have someone of his knowledge and of his. Uh, his caliber and his talent join us here on the show. So that'll be at five o'clock. Yeah, he's always been very gracious with his time. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because I I texted him yesterday and he and he got back to me late, but he said, "Hey, I'm available. I am in Milwaukee, so I need to get off by this." And we're like, "Well, by all means, we aren't going to keep you from your pregame with the Padres. <laughs> we don't want to do that." Uh, Eric, we have so much audio, so much audio that we're actually going to split it. So we'll do some today, some tomorrow. We're going to make sure you're filled in better than anybody else can fill you in on who the San Diego State Aztecs are. You've done some great research on it. Uh, I've been trying to fill myself in on this team. Really interesting on both aspects, offensively and defensively. Uh, Coach Long, when you hear his audio, let's, can we put a disclaimer on this? Coach Long, if you've never seen USU football and you would listen to Coach Long, you think that USU is a top five team. College football playoff contender. And that Jordan Love is going to be the uh, first pick in the uh, NFL draft. Right, second coming Accord- of Joe Montana. Yeah. He, yeah, he is yeah, he's the savior of the New York Jets or the <laughs> Miami Dolphins. That, that could be his fate. <laughs> uh, that, that could be his fate. That is according to coach Rocky Long. You'll hear from him. We got a lot of audio from him. Great stuff and of course from Ryan Agnew and uh, Cheatham, their defensive guy on what their thoughts on this Utah State team is. And uh Eric, you know, um it's 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 crazy to think that from last year, when, I mean, for so many years, and you know San Diego State for a while, that they had one back. Well, Dalen Thompson, Marshall Falk, I mean, the list goes on. That you're like, all right, that's the one guy we need to stop. This year... Well, Rashad Penny. Yes, that's right. I, I forgot they've about They've had him. a lot of dudes that have gone on and had great careers in the NFL. Well, this year, they have the running back who's hurt, so they have two guys who come in. They're now, I mean, they're over 100 yards in rushing. And they're studs. And, and that's what makes, you know, when you ask Gary about it, he's it's like, hey, that's, that's San Diego State in a nutshell. They will run. That's what they like to do, which is, by the way, I can't be grateful enough because it's an 8.30 game Pacific time. I'm so grateful that they are a running team. And you, later on, you'll hear Rocky 8.30 Long. Mountain Time. Oh, man, dude, see? I can't do it 7.30 right. Pacific Time. But still. You know late, what I'm talking about. It's a late game. Right. If it's a running game, running team, that clock's going to move. I can't wait. So Coach Gary Anderson talks about their running game and uh, the depth they have and the talent that's on the squad. Same thing you always see out of San Diego State in the run game. Uh, big, powerful offensive line, bunch of good tight ends, uh, but, you know, uh, and a good scheme. That's the, the biggest thing, whether they're in three wides and one back or they're in you know two tight ends or three tight ends or two tight ends and one of them's a fullback. Uh, they're good football schemes, you know, um, they got good players. The backs are exceptionally good side-to-side, tough kids, run the ball. You know, that, that uh, reputation for having running backs at San Diego State has uh, been there for a long, long time, and it's, uh, it's there again this year. So, And, you know, 
Y'all know my opinion on that. It's it's nice to have two or three backs. It's hard to have just one guy that you're going to hand it to all the time. Um, he's really special if he can handle that. Uh, but I think that this uh, all three of those guys rolling through there are quality backs. And the key thing is, is they've got people around them, um, players and a coaching staff that gives them an opportunity to make plays. So when they have three backs, is it usually based on what they can do individually or is it based on depth? and? Scheme hasn't really changed uh, regardless. I'm sure there's a little bit of a mindset on what those kids may do best. Um, but I don't. you don't sit there and say, okay, here's this young back, here's this back in this situation, and he's a young guy, so they're doing this, and it changes schemes or does, doesn't do anything like that. They all you know, run the plays that they run. Um, and you know, a lot of it's inside the tackle box, but then when they get outside and you know, they run outside their outside zone, their toss plays, all those things, they're, they're very well adapted to be able to run them all. So the scheme has not changed at all versus which back's been in the game. They are extremely talented. All three backs are. Uh, Jordan Bird has uh, 37 carries, 205 yards, two touchdowns. Chance Bell, 23 carries, 142 yards, and a TD. And Washington, uh, 42 carries, 111 yards, uh, no TDs. By the way, um, Agnew and Jasmine are also, at times, uh very known for their, you know what, get out of the pocket, scramble, and get the few yards. So watch out for them as well. Yeah, so um, Jordan Bird, is, uh, he's a sophomore. He's played in, in three games. He actually has more yards than anybody, though he's not necessarily the featured uh, back. Uh, Juwan Washington is their featured back. He's got an ankle injury. They're not sure if he's going to be available. Um, he... Um, he didn't practice on Monday, uh, and so the latest report is that he was limited in practice just the other day. Uh, so there's, they're not sure if he's going to be healthy or not uh, and be available uh, against the Aggies. Uh, as you talked about, uh, Chase Jasmine, he's a, a junior, and uh, he uh, re-injured his right ankle in the New Mexico State game as well, but he has been practicing, but he's not 100%. So um, they've they've got some injuries. Actually, a lot of players on that squad have had ankle injuries. Uh, San Diego Tribune says seemingly half the team has limped on a bad ankle at one time or another since fall camp began wow. seven weeks ago. But uh, but they have so their main rush, running back, Juwan Washington, as you mentioned, did not play last week. But they still had two dudes that ran for over 100 yards each. So this is definitely a power run team. Um, maybe not necessarily power run, but run heavy. They love to run the ball. And they're uh, very, very good at executing what they want to do, controlling the clock, controlling the play and the flow of the game with a strong running game and a strong running presence. What's different about this year's team, and that's been usually the MO of San Diego State, strong running game, Emphasis on that, controlling the clock, controlling possessions, limited opportunities for the other team to do anything. But what's different is that um, they have been more involved in the passing game this year. Uh, Agnew is their quarterback, and uh, he's had uh, a couple games. He was kind of quiet last week, didn't really need him to do much. The lead they had in the first half, he basically didn't attempt hardly anything in the second half. They just ran the ball and ran the clock. Yeah, just wish, to get the game over with. Yeah, wish they didn't need to. And and and, and really, that's their key. In fact, you'll hear from Coach Long here uh, later on in the hour in the second hour. Just he talks about they want to run the ball. That's that is what they do. They their goal is to keep USU's offense off the field for as long as possible um, because he feels like when when that offense gets on the field, it's go, 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 and then your defense is exhausted. And so, yeah. Uh, in fact, here's Coach Long. He's talking about the running game. Do you have that? Maybe. Uh, is Coach Long talking about the running game? Yeah. Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, here is uh, Coach Long talking about the running game and the three backs and what, uh, what they see in them. Well, number one, hopefully Juwan gets well. And he can play this week and be near 100%. He's not right now. He, he practiced a little bit yesterday, but he wasn't 100%. So I don't know what he'll be like today. Uh, I thought going into the season that one of our deepest positions, even you guys thought one of our deepest positions on our team was running back. Thank goodness for that. 
because we've got a couple running backs hurt, and we still have three healthy ones that are pretty good players. So hopefully uh, they'll continue to perform at that level so that we can run the ball and run the clock and keep their offense off the field. And get out of there early. <laughs> I mean. Uh, so Juwan Washington has an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Don't know if he'll be available. Ch- Chase Jasmine re-injured his ankle in the New Mexico State game, though he has participated in practice a little bit this week. Uh, junior transfer running back Greg Bell He's been sidelined with an undisclosed injury before camp began, and he's not expected to be available. So uh, that's what he's referring to. It looked like he were going to be really deep at running back, but they've had a lot of injuries at that position, and which is, I think, to some degree, so is maybe Chan- motivated Agnew to try to be more active. Yeah, so is Chance Bell out then? Is that right? Well, that's this says Greg Bell, and I don't have the full roster. I do right here. See if there's a... Uh, two bells that are on listed as uh, uh, running backs. Nope, I have one. Chance Bell. Okay, so That's maybe who. they... Because Chance Bell has done some things. Oh, you're, okay, so... Because you, oh, Chance Bell has played in three games. Yeah, they have a Chance Bell, a Greg Bell, a and a Daniel Bell. So it is Greg Bell who's a running back. Yep, number 33. So, so That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks like Greg Bell is still out. Chance Bell so has he'll done play. some things. He's a so sophomore. My question to you, Eric, is if they do get Washington back, which I would imagine just this is my opinion. It's not fact or anything, so take it for the gospel coming from AJ. But if Washington is able to play, they are going to utilize that running game until they are dog-dead tired. Because if they can have Washington back – and still have the three other backs and keep it fresh, they'll they'll do it. I mean, as long as they possibly can let that car and that piston run, <laughs> they'll use it as uh, as much as possible um, to make because they really are dead serious about that. I think you'll hear Cheatham talk about it at some point. I can't remember. I didn't label it correctly, but Cheatham actually talks about it too about just keeping USU's offense off the field, like how imperative that is. Oh, that's what you heard Rocky Long just, just- yeah. That's they're, they're going to play a long game. I'm just serious. They're dead set on that. They're going to play keep it. away. Yep, they are more than happy to run the clock and keep uh, the 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 possessions as few as possible for Utah State's offense. Possessions will be a premium for the Aggies. Yep, absolutely. So on their depth chart, which they've released this week, this is earlier in the week. Jawan Washington is listed as their starter, but we still don't know if he's going to play. Well, maybe that's Ted later on tonight, huh? Uh, Chase Jasmine is also there, and then they have three other oars. <laughs> or Chance Bell, or Keegan Williams, or Jordan Bird. I, but when you look at all of them, none of them are big, stout, power no, run no. guys. They're all smaller in stature, shifty, and speedy. That's what, And that's what Coach Jenner was saying in his quote, that when he, we just played that it's not usually based on what a running back can do. It's based on the scheme of the offense itself. And that's, and that's what can make it so tough for them. So... Um, again, the running back, the running game for San Diego State is going to be key. Possessions, like you said, are at a premium for Utah State's offense. So making those possessions count, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, every single time is going to be so so important. A lot of you know, a lot of people say, "Well, yeah, it's good. you know, they're going to put up 45, 50. They won't, not because they can't, but that because they're going to be limited. I mean, don't be. I can't remember how many possessions we had versus Wake Forest, at least in the first half. It was it was quite a if I remember it was, it was a few though. I don't know if you maybe cut that in half, and that's what you might get against San Diego State. Yeah, they're going to try to control this game from the start, uh, and so for Utah State, it, that the premium will be on that run defense, mm-hmm. that front seven. How well are they going to be able to fill the gaps, give them less than two yards, less than three yards on attempts, um, and uh, and try to bottle that up so that um, they just don't get those big explosive runs on them or keep those drives alive. Uh, but as, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, this is a team in San Diego State that has developed a bit of a passing game this year. Uh, their, their quarterback... Uh, Ryan Agnew 
Uh, he's been there uh, for a little while. He's a returning uh, senior. Um, he's been there for a few years, been part of their team. And uh, part of their success against UCLA was in their passing attack. Uh, not so much. I mean, they did have some success on the ground, but most of it was through the air, which San Diego State is not always known to have great quarterbacks and great wide receivers, though they're, they use them strategically. But this is a team that has been known to be passing the ball a little bit more early on in the season. Gary Anderson talked a little bit about that in their passing game, how Aggies have to watch out for that this season. Uh, both. A little bit of play action, um, some drop back. Uh, I think he's... a a winner, you know. I think he's proven that that he is a kid that puts his team in a position to. He makes heady plays when he needs to make heady plays. I think he's very good in the pocket, as far as picking his spots to step up in the pocket, um, and when to uh, run. He's done a nice job of, of getting out and and breaking down and breaking containment or breaking the middle of the the uh, pass rush lanes down and. Um, getting out and doing some real positive things for his team. You know, they got boots, they got play actions, they'll take shots down the field. Again, it's the structure of the offense to to put him in a spot to be able to, you know, make a lot of the throws that he makes that may not have the big try to take the top off you, but they've done that um, and they've got those throws in there. And I guarantee that the more of those are coming as they evolve this offense that they're doing. They're just, you know, they haven't been as much spread as they were early in the year. Um, much 11 personnel, I guess, three, three, three wide receivers and one tight end. It's become more, um, you know, San Diego State style with we're going to punch you in the mouth and take play action shots and the boot game and, and play action things. Well, there's so many moving parts. Um, up front, and they're not just dial up a twist game or what have you. They're very well thought out. Um, it's not a lot of heavy pressure all the time. It's you know thought out coverage back behind it, and they uh, they move those defensive linemen around a lot and have them run a lot of twist games. Um, they're very good at them. They're athletic, and they play with uh, you know people off the ball that can run and are very good tacklers. So it's a you know Rocky's defense have always been. You know, very, very physical, good tacklers. Um, they got good speed, and they play well together. And that's uh, – it's uh, some people th- sometimes think it's so uh, there's a lot of deception and just bobbing and weaving in there. Well, there is, but it's very well thought out, and he's a tremendous coach, and they recruit good players in those positions. So it makes it tough to run the ball. And, you know, they get so many negative plays. They catch you behind the line of scrimmage. They tip a pass. Um, you know, they, uh, they they pop a gap on you in those situations and those settings. So it's, uh, it's difficult to prepare for, and, you know, hopefully our offense can you know do a nice job of protecting the quarterback and, and getting something going in the run game I think is a huge part of this game for us that's a heck of an analysis right there yes. he's right I, the, the one thing that stood out to me Eric in that comment is the play action if San Diego State can develop a run game that is effective and productive then they can bring out the play action game fake the run and and a lot of things there'll be a lot of options too if you can develop and I mean it's it's this game. You talked about the front seven. I'm going to talk about the backfield of the defensive group because if they do provide a good play action, you know, I don't know if they if the run game is effective and they have great play action, the defensive backs cannot bite. They cannot get greedy. You have to be so disciplined and making sure you know where that ball is at all times. Because if you bite even just a little bit, that gives. Plenty of daylight for Agnew to look to make a good throw. He's very accurate. He can make throws in tight windows and tight spots. Um, and if you bite on this play action stuff, and if you if you go too hard and get too greedy, they're going to kill you. They're going to eat you alive with that. And so they, the defensive backfield is going to have to be really on their on their toes. He doesn't have a lot of experienced weapons around him. No. Uh, most, most of the wide receivers are all really young and inexperienced. Uh, his top targets so far this year have been Kobe Smith, who's a 6'2", 190-pound sophomore, and Jesse Matthews, who's a 6'190-pound foot redshirt freshman. Um, so the, it, really there's not a lot of experience in that wide receiver core uh, for him to throw to, but they're making it work. Um, and those are the guys that he's, that he's targeting uh, and he's trying to get the ball to. Uh, they do have an experienced tight end, Parker Houston. Uh, they don't haven't used him a lot. Four catches for only 29 yards on the year. But uh, he is a, a senior, and so he's one of the more experienced guys there. But they're seems like they're using him a little bit more in that uh, run 
packages, uh, but he is a, somebody that can flare out there and be somebody that can catch the ball. Uh, he does occasionally throw the ball out of the backfield to uh, the running backs. Um, he's got uh, he's thrown some to Washington and to Bird. Uh, Chase Jasmine as well has caught uh, well one pass on the season, but um, occasionally they'll use the, the the running backs in kind of the screen game uh, as well. So uh, interesting situation developing in San Diego State where they have an experienced quarterback, not very experienced wide receiver core, yeah. but they are going to those wide receivers and he is trying to give them some opportunities. That's the thing is, even if it is, if you have an experienced quarterback, I think that puts you in good shape. I mean, to a, to a degree, San Diego State, or excuse me, Utah State doesn't have an experienced receiving core, but they have a great quarterback who's now spent one full season as the Aggies quarterback. So, I, and that's benefited the Utah State Aggie offense. I think that's the same in this regard. Um, he's not, I mean, he's had some experience, not a lot, but enough to where I think he can make this offense better. It's just the defense that can cause problems, which I think Utah State should and can. Uh, since we're still talking about the offense, looking at the their line, what does their line look like? Uh, it's an experienced line. Yes, it is. Uh, guys with a, a fair a number f- of starts and a lot of experience. First one that they've played that's experienced. Yeah, I know, albeit two games in, but this is about as experienced as they've seen so far. Yeah, you, you've got uh, juniors and seniors all over that uh, that line, uh, except with the exception of right guard, where William Dunkel is listed as the starter. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman, but uh, Jacob Jimenez, who is a, a transfer, um, could get some uh, playing time. He hasn't started, but he is a little more experienced. So, and right tackle, not as much experience there either. So, on the right side of the line is where they're maybe a little bit more uh, prone and a little bit weaker with that uh, offensive unit for San Diego State. Uh, coming up here in next, a little bit, we'll get uh, some thoughts about the defensive side of San Diego State. Uh, what are the coaches and players saying about the Aztecs? It's an in-the-know Wednesday here on the Full Court Press. And coming up next hour, we'll hear from somebody who follows this team very closely, Ted Leitner, who is a play-by-play voice of the Aztecs. He'll join us coming up at about 5 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. Coming up on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Getting you ready for Utah State at San Diego State. Our sister station, KVNU, will begin KVNU game day at 6.30 on Saturday. Al Lewis, Craig Hislop, they'll break it down, give you insight like no one else can. Always great perspective and history that those guys bring to every broadcast. So stay tuned for that on Saturday. And as soon as the game concludes... Turn your radio back on, KVNU 610 AM, 102.1 FM, streaming online, kvnutalk.com. We'll have KVNU Aggie call afterwards to take your phone calls and uh, react to what happened in San Diego. Some interesting notes about the offense before we shift to the defense for the Aztecs. They returned seven starters, which includes their senior quarterback, Ryan Agnew, sophomore wide receiver, Ethan Dedeau, Though he really hasn't been much of a target as of yet this season. Um, One catch for eight yards. Uh, Junior center Keith Ismail, senior left guard Deshaun Dixon, junior center Dominic Gudino, senior tight end Parker Houston, and senior running back Juwan Washington. Uh, But as mentioned, the right guard and right tackle position and the two deep for both of those positions on the offensive line, all of those guys are new. Either they were red shirt guys last year or they're transfers, but uh, that, all those guys are new on the right-hand side of their offensive line. Um, but this is a team that um, likes to do a lot of different things on the ground, and 
Uh, this is from a Utah State defensive perspective. Um, Chris Unga uh, weighed in a little bit on how that uh, Utah State defensive line uh, doesn't want to let other people get in there and make things happen. It's good, there's going to be a lot on them Saturday. Fuale Lua, he's out. So how do they fill that gap? How do the, some of the other guys fill in? How do they handle that uh, the, the, the very talented run attack that San Diego State likes to do uh, and trying to not allow other teams to, to make plays? You know, sometimes it's uh, in our best interest to do our job, and our job isn't always making plays. It's, you know, allowing the backers to, you know, do their responsibility, being free and whatnot, and us taking up blocks. But, yeah, of course we would like to make plays, and uh, hopefully these upcoming games we, we do so. Yeah, here's the thing is that with Utah State football, the way it's designed now is it's called assignment football. So you're not just going to go out there and, you know, expect everyone to have a free-for-all to, you know, to do whatever they want. That There's only a couple of guys. In fact, there's only really one guy that I know of that's allowed to do it, <laughs> and, that's, uh, and that's David Woodward. Um, so, and, and really the defensive line is, is there to create opportunities, you know, if not get a tackle for a loss, create up other opportunities for, you know, your three linebackers to go in there and make something happen, um, or at least disrupt the pass, just, you know, something into that regard. Um, but yeah, and they're talented. They're going to need to, like you said, in regards to the run game, it's going to really have to be on the front, that front group to, to go in and, and make something happen. But then when the play action does come into play and it will, whether uh, it's by force or by circumstance, it's going to, then the defensive backfield is going to have to do their job. Okay. So there's been some question about the health of USU's secondary, yeah. right? I mean, there's been some guys that we were hoping could be there and have been injured. Uh, haven't been able to be a full 100% in games just yet. And the, the team kind of got burned in uh, at uh, Wake Forest with the secondary a couple different times. Uh, thought they were, they've been getting better. Obviously, it's hard to really tell because of the, the competition they've gone up against since then. But Gary Anderson did address the, the health of his secondary and if he gets any extra defensive backs available this weekend. No, I don't. At this point, I think we've uh, we'll have the guys we have, and um, we may get one back. We'll see how we go through the, the week of practice. Um, but you know, we're just uh, we'll go with the guys that we got out there, and they're working hard to to uh, you know get themselves back on the field. And I would say, you know, it's uh, we did take advantage and got healthy in a couple spots. Um, you know, some guys are a little bit being dinged up. Probably wouldn't have missed a game, but uh, they should feel better, assuming they've done their part and taken care of their bodies. By the way, uh, he was asked about Peasley. He has no comment on that. If he does, it's going to come from Mike Williams, the head trainer. So don't plan on a comment from Coach Anderson unless he feels it's really necessary. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. That secondary can play an important role in not giving uh, Agnew openings to throw to. Because he's accurate. Like I said, he can throw in tight windows with no problem at all. Right. Did it against UCLA on a couple of really good throws. He's an experienced quarterback. It'll be hard to confuse him a lot. Yeah, you've seen it. But, but if you can mix it up a little bit, disguise your blitzes, disguise what you're doing, kind of throw him off the rocker, it will, it will buy you some time. So uh, looking now shifting the gears a little bit, shifting to the other side, flipping the field. Utah State offense versus San Diego State defense. This is... <laughs> This is going to be the battle. This is the battle. Uh, oh, man. Rocky Long and uh, some of their players, all they wanted to do was talk about how great Jordan Love is. And <laughs> how do you think, yeah, as I you mean, said, look, you think this is a Jordan second coming of. Yeah, really. He, I mean. Joe Montana. He, <laughs> I'm a huge Jordan fan, uh, Jordan Love fan. You are as well. All our listeners are. Unless you're from Provo, then you think Zach Wilton's the next prophet. Um. But man, Rocky Long. I don't know. Sometimes you lose credibility when you compliment a guy too much. I think he might have done it here. <laughs> With all Pour, due respect. Pouring it on a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so there's I guess there's a there's two parts to this. Yeah, there is. So he so he I mean, he was asked about in fact, you know what? He wasn't even asked about Jordan Love in this first part. He was just asked about the USU offense, and then he just went off about Jordan Love. 
The second part, he strictly asked about Jordan Love, and then he just goes on about Jordan Love again. <laughs> okay, here's Rocky Long's first comments about Jordan Love, unsolicited. Well, he's a big, strong guy that uh, can do things with his feet, but he doesn't usually have to. He's got a great accuracy, but it doesn't. It looks like he throws effortlessly, and he just kind of flicks the ball and he completes the ball 50 yards down the field. So, he's a very talented young man that that played really well last year and has started off playing really well so far this year too. Hey, can you go to the opening statement of USU? I, I think it's pretty good, and it's it's kind of telling of how he's going to go throughout this press conference of uh, Coach Long. He, he talks about, in his opening statement, he immediately hits on to, uh, he doesn't even talk about the three games, or he doesn't even talk about the last week's game. It's all USU, and it's all about uh, where they start and how they look offensively. Will this be advantage of USU offense versus SDSU defense? No, this would be uh, Rocky Long's opening statement on USU. Well, while you're looking for it, uh, Coach Long was very— Oh, there it is. Because you labeled things differently. I Some did are not. labeled Long. Some are ra- labeled Rocky. Okay, I found it now. Thank you. It's the same freaking thing. It's, it's Rocky Long <laughs> opening statement. Utah State's uh, uh, obviously one of the better teams in our league. They have outstanding players, some outstanding players coming back from last year, and they had a great year last year. Quarterbacks and NFL guy, how high he's getting drafted, no one knows. I've heard all the way from the first round to the third round, but they've got an NFL quarterback. Their statistics are eye-popping. They're gaining over 600 and something yards a game and scoring over 48 points a game. So they're an awful good football team coming in here. So we have our work cut out for us. Sure do. Yep. So do you think, okay, besides the awkward silence, uh, do you think that um, saying things like this where you have a player who the opposing team, they're trying to hype him as a Heisman contender, everybody's talking about how he's a high draft pick, he's going to be a guy that could be an NFL type, does that, like, does that give extra motivation to opposing defenses to try to get after him and knock him down? No. I mean, you can't go out there and be like, well, we think Jordan Love's a mediocre quarterback, and uh, we, uh, we think that you know Utah State's, uh, well, they lost to a Power 5 team. One of the very few Mountain West Conference teams to do so. So that tells you all you need to know about. He can't say that. You know, uh, he's, and, and yeah, I mean, but yeah, at the same time, you got to kind of balance it. You know, you, you understand how great of a player Jordan Love really is, how great of an offense this really is, how good of a defense this definitely is. And you recognize that. I remember when I was the equipment manager for uh, Utah State football in 04, and that just machine of a Utah Utes football team came into our house and was at 41 nothing at halftime. <laughs> and I remember the week of that, the press conference, like Mick Dennehy was just praising Utah. Like they were the Miami Hurricanes of 1992. Like they were the greatest thing that ever touched Romney Stadium, ever at the time Romney Stadium. Like he was just so enamored by how they look and how they ran. And, and they were a good football team, absolutely. And I finally looked at uh, uh, the person, I'm not going to mention his name, but we were sitting in the car and I was like, man, this guy's really hyping up Utah, like more than he probably should. And he says, well, we'll find out why come this Saturday. They were out 41 nothing at halftime. And I was like, man. McDenny, he wasn't lying either, <laughs> and, and and that's the thing. Like, look, I mean, do you, I mean we all we all kind of make fun of it, but do you remember when Tennessee Tech's coach last year was like, well, yeah, our number ones, you know, we could do it versus our number twos. We do it daily, so we're used to it. And then they were down like sixty-five to zero at halftime or something like that. And <laughs> I mean, and then you go into halftime and you're thinking, well, that's what that looks like, huh? I mean, Rocky Long understands how good of a football team this is, and he's gonna praise him. And it's not to be like. Hey, I'm talking to you, defense. This this guy's the greatest ever. It's because he really does think that. There's actually sincerity in there. He's not like Bob Davey is. <laughs> Ooh, shot to Bob Davey. So uh, this 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 reminds me. It feels very similar to 2015, which has me very very nervous. Utah State just came off of a win over Boise State. 
<laughs> and everybody was talking like Utah State has now reached the top of the Mountain West. They are the pinnacle. They're going to go all the way. They're going to win the championship. And there was still like a month to play of football or more. And that next day, next m- Monday, Rocky Long in his press conference was like, well, I guess you all have crowned them as the champions, basically. And they're really good. And boy, I don't know if we can compete against those guys. Because he was reading all of the hype and uh, just talking about how good USU is. It makes me nervous to hearing him this week. It sounds very similar to how he sounded back in 2015. And that following Saturday, they embarrassed the Aggies. Well, 48 to 14. <laughs> oh, I got to be really careful. So how is I this fr- team, well, is this team this year? Yeah. Better than that team was that. I I gotta be really careful how I phrase this. Um, this team this year definitely win, has a better quarterback. Well, look, when was the last time we had beaten Boise State like that that thoroughly? I mean, honestly, it hadn't happened exactly. So I think there was this like high riding wave, and then we lost our surfing board and just crashed right back into the water deep, way too deep for us, and got crushed by it. Um, and that might have been some thanks to the coaching staff who might have been, hey, yeah, we are the, Drinking we're the real Kool-Aid deal. Absolutely. Bit. We're the real deal and watch out for us because here we come. We're all going to get paid. Um, and then things went south in a hurry. Gary Anderson will not let his team or coaching staff do that. There is absolutely, positively, no way that that's going to happen with head with head coach Gary Anderson at the helm. And I'm not trying to to uh, diss on Coach Wells. I, I'm trying not to. I'm just saying, based on the fact that Coach Anderson understands what how good this team is, that they haven't won in San Diego yet, he'd love to be the guy to go, yeah, you know what, I went to San Diego State and we beat him for the first time. I was the head coach of that ball. Not for him, but for his team. That's what it means, and I and I think Coach Anderson is 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 not ego egocentric about that stuff. It's more about hey, we need to go out there, we'll start one and zero in conference, um, and and go from there. But yeah, I, I don't think that would be a problem. Uh, Rocky Long is very sincere in complimenting Utah State, uh, their team, their coaching staff, but I don't think it. <laughs> I don't think it does any harm to Utah State. I don't think it does any good for them either. They could care less because the only thing that matters is on the field execution score at the end of the game. And that's what they're focused on. Because, by the way, at this press conference, to kind of open the veil up for everybody, at this press conference, when they were asked about a bye week, Coach Anderson maybe spent about 20 seconds on it, less than that, and then was straight into San Diego State the rest of the time. There was one question asked about the bye week. He was very quick on his answer. Uh, respectful and quick, and then went right into San Diego State. When Chris Unger was asked about it, there was an opening statement about a bye week. He said, well, it was good to have it. We're on to San Diego State. Let's get ready. When Bright was asked about it, same thing. He was just wanting to talk about San Diego State. That's all. These kids, this coaching staff, this team, they are just locked in on the Aztecs. That is all that matters to them because, by the way, you want to start off 1-0, especially when for Utah State, especially considering the schedule they have. Yes. Especially for San Diego State, because if they start off 1-0, they got a pretty lenient schedule the rest of the way. Oh, well, I don't know about the rest of the way, but... It's not, it, as, it's it's not a, as grueling as Utah State's, though. San Diego State's? Yes. Okay. But for, yeah, for USU, this is a huge game. Uh, big opportunity... Because they haven't been able to win at San Diego before. Uh, and so is that any added motivation? Is no. that extra talk? Chris Unga kind of put that to bed earlier this week that, like, it doesn't matter that we haven't won out there before. They want to go get the win this week. To be honest, I don't really get into, you know, statistics like that. I take it one game at a time. Whatever game's in front of me, I don't really, you know, know the history. I've heard it a couple times that, you know, we, we never beat them before. Well, one time, but a long, long time ago. But not, honestly, it doesn't really motivate me. Every game is, you know, the same to me. You know, I, I take every game at its peak. Um, no, no lows, no highs, you know, to put it together, just all one mentality for me. 
That's going to be the message this week. That will be the message this week. Of, look, we just want to be 1-0 in conference play. We'll worry about Colorado State next week, but this is what we need to worry about this week. And for San Diego State on the other side, uh, Cheatham and Agnew kind of agreed to that. That, look, yeah, it's it's we understand how big of a game it is because based on the rest of our schedule, but right now it's focused all on the Aggies. We definitely understand the importance of this game. Um, everyone saw how good Utah State was last year. They brought back a lot of guys, you know, this year, and they played well up to this point. Their offense averaging over 640 yards a game. Uh, their defense has some, you know, all-American type of players and uh, Woodard and Tipagalia. So we understand the importance of this game. We understand how good this football team is. And uh, we know going into a bye week, if you can go in 1-0 in conference rather than 0-1, um, it's going to be really good. It's going to be a really good boost going into the rest of conference play. And, uh, you know, we're going to do everything we can to go 1-0. Um, I'd have to agree. I think um, it'd be a big help. Uh, Coach Long told us the other day, at the end of the day, though, um, it doesn't make or, or break our season. Um, it's just another step on the road to getting where we want to go, which is winning 22. And at the end of the day, that's, um, that's all really concerned about is getting to the end goal. The process um, is the process, and you have to – um, maintain that, but at the end of the day, um, it doesn't necessarily make our season or uh, break our season. One and all, that's all teams. That's what he, uh, either of these teams want. One of the biggest conference games of the week, Air Force and Boise State are right, right alongside that one as well. Uh, but like you said, if Utah State can get one and all, and then hopefully take down Carlos State, you're two and all going into Death Valley for LSU, which has no effect on you at all whatsoever in regards of conference play. Go there, play your guts out, give it what you can against a great, great LSU team. Come back ready, gear up for the rest of the uh, Mountain West Conference stretch, which will be a big one. So, can't wait, man. Saturday night, 7.30 Mountain Time. No, 8.30 Mountain Time. Gosh, dang it, man. I'm going to San Diego, too. I'm I'm going to write on a post-it and staple it to your forehead. Uh, More from coaches and players getting you in the know on a Wednesday here in the Full Court Press. Coming up next hour, we'll hear from their play-by-play voice. Ted Leitner will join us from Milwaukee, where he is there to call the San Diego Padres baseball game. He's also play-by-play voice for the Padres. So we'll get his perspective on the Aztecs in Utah State, heading toward uh, competition coming up this Saturday. And uh, more on In the Know coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. For me personally, I was a freshman when I first played, so you know I was, I was very young and didn't know much of the game at, at the time. But now, I, as being experienced as I am, um, I say that you know we have the physicality at the D line to go and throw blows with them. So I think we have a good shot at that. Eric France and Andre Salveson. That was Chris Unga talking about the defensive line needing to be physical. He remembers what it was like last time Utah State played them. That would have been back in 2016 when they came to Logan. He's a freshman, man. Uh, absolutely, that USU defensive line, there's a lot on them to fill those gaps and take away any running opportunities for that the shifty and fast San Diego State running back core. A lot of different guys that they use. A lot of them are nursing, nursing ankle injuries. Uh, even Keegan Williams has been slowed by an ankle injury. So pretty much everybody in that running back room uh, has some kind of an injury that they're nursing. Didn't seem to bother him too much last week. But again, they were going up against New Mexico State, so take that for what it is. But uh, USU's got a big challenge on their hands to try to slow down uh, that uh, uh, San Diego State offense and get them off the field. That's the big thing. Not going to turn the ball over much. Ball security, uh, not a, a lot of passing in yards, but uh, they are slinging the ball around a little bit more. But uh, if Utah State can create some turnovers, uh, that's going to be huge because San Diego State does not turn the ball over very much. No, and they force takeaways like crazy. I think they have seven of them already, Eric, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that leads the Mountain West Conference. Uh, and so they are very ball hawking, very greedy 
with it, and they don't make a lot of mistakes. They 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 just they don't get beat a whole lot, um, and that's and that's the biggest problem. And so you have to be really really smart and taking care of the ball. Um, don't put yourself in any don't put your defense in any bad spots. Is really what you want to do? No, uh, it can be opportunistic. San Diego State can. Uh, so what what kind of progress did Utah State make in the bye week to fine tune some things where they were struggling in their secondary? Uh, how much have they shored up that uh, run defense? And then also, on the flip side of things, USU, how well will they be able to string drives together to be able to keep themselves on the field and to take limit possessions for San Diego State? Uh, granted, if, you, if it only takes you 20 seconds to score, as long as you're getting points, doesn't matter. But that San Diego State defense is going to try to really wear out the Aggie uh, defense. So if you could give them a breath on the sidelines... That's going to be a nice You'll premium. take it. Yeah, absolutely. They'll take it in a heartbeat. All right, coming up next year on the Full Court Press, we'll hear from more of the coaches and the players next hour. We'll also hear from the play-by-play voice of the San Diego State Aztecs. Ted Leitner will be joining us next, starting at, at about 5 o'clock. And also coming up next hour, the Full Court Press movie quiz. Uh, I think I may be able to stump you on this one, Ajay. Ooh. I don't excited. think you'll get this one. I feel pretty good about this one. Good. It's uh, not necessarily obscure, but uh, you'll have a hard time with it, I'm sure. Stay tuned next hour. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Eli Manning era in New York is done, at least for now. The Giants name rookie quarterback Daniel Jones as the starter week three in Tampa. And it makes sense. If Jones is the quarterback of the future, why wait for the future? This has to be bittersweet for the team and the fans. They entered the season hoping Eli would play well and that Jones would never take the field. But they're 0-2, and Eli hasn't been bad. But he hasn't been good enough to make up for a bad defense. It already seems like a long shot for the Giants to challenge the Eagles or Cowboys in the NFC East. The Jones era was coming. If it wasn't this week, it would certainly have been by midseason. We'll see what happens with Eli. No matter what his future holds, he'll always have a special place in New York's heart. Whether or not he makes the Hall of Fame, his play in two Super Bowl victories will never be forgotten. Now Giants fans hope Jones begins the next winning chapter in their proud football history. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.